Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's weekly intelligence summary track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Weekly Intelligence Summary. I'm your host, Harrison Van Riper. With me this week, after a long break from the podcast, the one and only Philly D. Phil Doherty, how is it going over there in London? Yes, yes. Did you miss me, Harrison? I did. You know I miss you every single day that I don't get to see <laughs> your shining, shining face. <laughs> uh, so then also in London with you, Phil, is newcomer to the podcast, Benjamin Newman, or as he likes to call himself, Big Gun Ben. I don't think, I don't think he knew that we were going to call him, call him by his nickname. Uh, why don't you give the listeners a little intro? Who are you and what do you do at Digital Shadows and why the nickname? Yeah, sure. So, uh, hi, I'm Benjamin Newman. Um, I currently am a cyber intelligence analyst at uh, Digital Shadows. Just a little bit about my background. Um, I'm much more technical. Um, I started in digital forensics um, and finally worked my way into intelligence. Uh, and the big gun, Ben, uh, I don't know, maybe it matches my ego, something like that. Um, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. You know, so on the pod, we give everybody... Uh, nicknames. Philly D is his. You know, we have JC Cool. Uh, I don't think I have one actually, Phil. No, we need to. We need to give you one. We need uh, to make one. Yeah, I guess the host probably shouldn't have one. It kind of like ruins it. But I've never had an actual like self-imposed that might stick. So, so we're, <laughs> we're gonna run with it. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and jump into it this week. So Phil, you wrote the insum. Uh, the main article is about two different attack campaigns using uncommon and underreported social engineering and malware delivery techniques. What is going on here? Yeah, so this week we had a, it was a bit different from our usual insum. Uh, so like you're saying, instead of having just one outright incident um, to analyze, we had two completely different campaigns, uh, but they highlighted this kind of interesting trend and a tendency to use kind of quite underreported or perceptively uncommon methods in social engineering and delivery. Um, and they were both used to sort of boost the effectiveness and the rate of success in any attack. So starting with the social engineering one, one campaign saw the distribution of Qbot across Europe, South America, and Asia. Uh, so the threat actors unsurprisingly used phishing in their methods to bait users, but the phishing emails appeared to act as sort of a reply to a continuous email thread. So this likely increased the perceived sort of legitimacy of their attempts. Um, but phishing and even like the more targeted version, spear phishing emails, they're often sort of a standalone contact method and usually rely on the contents of the lures uh, to boost the chances of a successful compromise rather than the external way that it's produced. Um, and this is all in attempts to get someone to click on some sort of link or download a dodgy document. So this can be a bit hit and miss um, using it as a standalone method, depending on the cyber maturity of the recipient. So any attempt to heighten this legitimacy likely worked in their favor. So in the other campaign, we, had, we saw Load PC Banker. So it's a banking Trojan that was delivered across South America and namely in targets in Brazil. So this time, users were lured to a legitimate web page created by the threat actor, and they used this uh, utility called Google Sites. So a bit different from the normal social engineering methods, uh, and the use of a legitimate service like Google would definitely uh, play a part to, to add to this perceived legitimacy. So creating fake websites or hijacking domains isn't, it, it's not uncommon. Um, we see it quite a lot, but using Google as a service uh, to facilitate this drive-by download isn't often seen. So 
So if we move on to the delivery mechanisms themselves, the link contained in the Qbot phishing email, uh, this directed users to a, a Microsoft OneDrive file, so specifically a zip archive. So this likely obfuscated the malicious nature of the file's contents, uh, bypassing any such like email security protocols that might be there. So this is quite a simple but smart move, um, and coupled with like the legitimate service, like a, a Microsoft OneDrive, uh, that would likely have substantial security parameters in place, it becomes quite an, uh, an effective method. So then back to the other campaign that we're talking about, the Load PC Banker one. Uh, this tool was uploaded via uh, a file sharing service of uh, the Google Sites, and it's called Google Sites Template. So a bit of a mouthful, but this is a legitimate service uh, provided as part of the Google Sites utility. And surprisingly, this feature doesn't have the same security parameters uh, as other Google services, so like Gmail, um, which have likely, or would have likely flagged the presence of the tool. Um, so putting the two together, I think the important point to make here is that if each of these mechanisms were used individually, they don't really grant all that much of an advantage to the attacker. So luring in a user is great for the adversary, but if the security systems flag an email or what is being hosted is malicious, then it's redundant, so they can't use it. Similarly, if they can get past the security parameters, but they can't get a target to entice or click on something, then they, they won't be able to conduct the attack. So it's, it's, it's the little steps taken in both and using them in tandem that kind of drew our attention to it. And then sort of like an another, another thought that we had when we were doing the research was this growing tend for threat actors to try and automate the complete kill chain. So from initial access to exfiltration, we did an in some back in February, I think we were talking about it, um, on an automated way to gain initial access uh, via that like Outlook preview function. Um, and if they used, like, if, if, if you manage to do these automated methods with the likes of Qbot, um, which has like self-propagating features and acts like a worm, then this could become quite a serious problem um, moving forward. Um, especially if, like, if they can make the whole cycle automated. It's not such a far-fetched idea. Um, and I'd say we're, we're likely to see developments of this kind of automated compromise moving forward. Uh, as so far, they seem to be quite effective with minimal effort or skill needed. Yeah, I think the automation kind of aspect of it is actually funny. You hear that as a buzzword in, in the industry, right? But then if you see that uh, act for actual attacks, uh, it expands kind of, you know, uh, the amount and the volume that an attacker can do, right? Because they can just kind of throw throw the automation at several different things. They don't have to spend time individually trying to poke holes and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if it can move between systems or move between networks, then you're you're in a whole world of bother. Yeah, it's good to mention that these two campaigns are completely separate. Um, right, so they are they are not shared by threat actors or anything like that. But it's interesting to see that two different types of threat actor and two completely maybe separate groups are both using ideals and small little details to boost the uh, effectiveness and rate of success of each attack um, instead of going towards the sort of technically advanced updates to tools and, and this sort of method. All right, good stuff, Phil. Um, yeah, so if it's something to, to keep an eye on and just kind of keep up to date on different uh, techniques, there's also a really interesting kind of graph that's included in this week's article. So highly encourage everybody to go to resources.digitalshadows.com to go download the full intelligence summary. Uh, and yeah, and then go see that all that goodness. Um, all right, so let's move on into the highlights for this week. So Ben, you're going to take these on. Why don't we start off with the, uh, the new crypto jacking campaign? Uh, I'm all about cryptocurrency, so so fill me in. 
Yeah, awesome. Um, so this new campaign uh, dubbed BP um, is a file-based crypto jacking campaign uh, instead of a browser-based campaign, which we've seen quite often in the past. Um, it abuses the uh, eternal blue and dark pulsar exploits, um, and they're used to create the backdoors, um, as well as it, it installs the Mimicat credential theft tool. Um, crypto mining, you know, in general is relatively popular because of the amount of money that it can still generate, even after all these years of cryptocurrency uh, fluctuating in price. Yeah, so that's an interesting one, um, you know, having Eternal Blue and Dark Pulsar within an actual crypto jacking campaign. It shows a little bit of a more technically advanced um, campaign than we're typically seeing with, with crypto jacking. Yeah, I think it's actually quite interesting because, you know, Eternal Blue and Dark Pulsar have been around for some time and it's still interesting to see that these these exploits are still used today and still being really successful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's move on to the Mage Card update. So what's going on here? This one's really interesting. Um, so Mage Card's been um, targeting quite a lot of organizations at the moment, notably Puma um, and the NBA Hawks team. Uh, the really interesting thing about this one is that the mage cart has adapted and improved the way it works. Um, and we've actually seen something called uh, polymorphic loaders be used. Um, and it basically meant that it can now, or it has the ability to target 57, up to 57 different payment systems um, that are used throughout um, a lot of the different organizations. Um, this is used to basically enhance its obfuscation techniques um, and essentially it's still doing what it does you know tries to get the stolen information um, and something that was interesting is that it's now being sent over to ukraine yeah that one's definitely interesting i think you know incorporating polymorphic techniques into something that's kind of well known like mage card is is pretty interesting and an ongoing thing to keep an eye on right yeah the i think the really interesting thing here is that they're using properties that have been used in the past but to actually incorporate this into mage cart um has been really interesting yeah for sure all right so then moving on to the final highlight for this week there was some leaking of sensitive german company data after an extortionist uh demands were not met yeah this one was also really interesting so basically um an unidentified threat actor had uh, publicly released sensitive data in the end uh, about uh, that was attributed to German branches. Um, the extortion payment actually wasn't paid by the, com the breached company Citicomp, um, and therefore the information was eventually leaked. Um, the information like, uh, contained things like PII um, and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's one also to. You know, if readers wanted to look at more on that, we have we just published a extortion paper, a tale of epic extortions. Um, so go and download that to get some more information about different extortion techniques and um, kind of where this, why this stuff is kicking off so much. We're still waiting on um, uh, an emulative threat actor to take the Dark Overlord's place ever since Kickass went went down. Yeah, TDO's been kind of quiet, hasn't he? It's good. Seeing someone try and do an extortion attempt without ransomware, it's actually yeah. lighting the fire again. Old school. Yeah. All right. So that's the highlights for this week, and that will actually wrap up the weekly intelligence summary. Uh, again, if you want to download the full InSum and subscribe to it, you can get it weekly into your inbox. Go to resources.digitalshadows.com. 
Um, all right, so let's end this week with a question. All right, so the question of the week this week, after much deliberation, what is your favorite dad joke? <laughs> I'll go first if that's all right. Yep. Uh, so what's the fastest cake? The fastest cake? Oh, yeah. No answer. <laughs> you know the answer? Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta think. Hold on. What, what could this be? I don't know. What is it? Scone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> I love it. Get okay. Okay, Phil, what is yours? Oh, uh, this is this is one where oh, my dad used to say this to me all the time. If, if I asked him what day it was, so if I said like, well, what day is it today? Is it Tuesday? He'd just reply and he'd go, yeah, all day. <laughs> That's a classic. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got one. So when does a joke become a dad joke? <laughs> when it becomes apparent. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> These are uh, awful. They're so bad. They're so bad, but that's what makes them so good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, so listeners, send in your favorite dad jokes. Uh, maybe maybe we'll read them on the air if, if anybody actually sends one in. Um, so that will do it for us for this week. Uh, thank you, guests. Thank you, listeners. Talk to you all next week.